What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It's been a long time since I've been back in the studio. Well, not too long. I was here Friday for TNT, but I'm joined today by Mr. Jake Gonzalez. Yes, sir. We're here. Yeah, If you've listened to t- uh, TNT in the morning, you've definitely heard his voice because you've been on, what, three or four of those at yeah, this point? Sadly, three or four of them. Yeah. <laughs> we basically run the show every time. Yeah, we are, we are the show at TNT in yeah. the morning. Like, Let's be real here. Tor and TL just don't compare yeah, to us. Yeah, exactly. We are the stars here. <laughs> we're going to start off... Uh, Reviewing some or reviewing some of the games that happened over rivalry week, probably the most fun week of football that we've had, unless you're an Auburn fan or an Ohio State fan, or an Oklahoma fan, or an OU fan, of course, <laughs> especially if you're an OU fan. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into why that's the case later on in the show. But we're gonna start off by talking about the game. Michigan takes down Ohio State forty-two to twenty-seven in a game where Ohio State's defense was just unable to stop any of the run game. Uh, starting off, my dog of the week is going to be Hassan Haskins, running back, senior for Michigan, 28 carries, 169 yards, six yards per carry, five touchdowns. Yeah, that was uh, kind of tough, can't lie. <laughs> yeah, and as someone who picked Ohio State, I was kind of upset with it. I mean, yeah, you got to be because, like, Ohio State, especially after the week they had against Michigan State, you kind of figured, especially since Harbaugh has not beat Ohio State in his career, that it was kind of a lock game for Ohio State to win. So the fact that they kind of got blown out the way that they did, it's a little disappointing. There's just nothing that Ohio State could have done. I mean, they were moving the ball fairly well passing-wise, but running the ball, they could not find any uh, rhythm. And I think they averaged around 2.1 yards per carry, I'm pretty sure. Uh, don't know exactly, but I know uh, their top rusher, which is Trayvon Henderson, he had 4.4 yards per carry, so it'd probably be around there. Yeah, and someone who – Trayvon Henderson is someone who's been fairly pretty dang good. I mean, he didn't have a bad game. He had 14 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Like, yeah, he didn't have a, ter- he didn't have a bad game. That's it, a solid stat, stat line. Yeah, but for someone as dominant as he's been this year, that's, a, that's an yeah. eh game. I mean, that's you've also got to – there's more that accounts into that. You know, it's well, not, yeah. It's just – the offensive line's got to block well. Maybe he doesn't read the lanes very well. Play calling may not be as well good, but it's uh, it's kind of a case-by-case thing. And yeah, and it helps when Michigan has the help of Aiden Hutchinson on that D-line, had three sacks, and had 15 quarterback pressures. Yeah, that dude's nasty. Oh, yeah. 15 pressures on the QB is the most in a game since they started recording it in 2014. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, that just kind of is what it is. My yeah. man, my man can he can rush the pass. He can get to the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with that, he is now the Michigan all-time season uh, sack leader uh, with 13 sacks. I think he's also on one of the Heisman votings for like who gets to go to New York. I don't think he's getting any of any leeway, but he's on the list. He should be on that list. He should. A defensive player should be winning the award this year. Jordan Davis. Aiden Hutchinson, and then... Will Anderson Will from Anderson. Alabama. Yeah, they all need to be on that list. Looking at the Heisman... Have you seen the Heisman voting about the, the people's vote about who goes to New York? I have not, actually. Kenny Pickett is one. 
and two Matt Corral, and then three and four are tied with 11% of the votes, and it's uh, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State and, and Jordan Davis. Yeah. Honestly, the Kenny Pickett one kind of surprises me a little bit. I love it. I've I voted twice. For <laughs> of course you did. Uh, no, but like Matt Corral really shouldn't be on that list right now at this point in the season. Um, yeah. That Auburn game kind of knocked him out. Jordan Davis needs to be a little bit higher. Kenneth Walker needs to be higher. I don't. He doesn't. I don't think he'll win the Heisman this year. He shouldn't. He definitely deserves second. He de- he deserves to be in the top three for sure, uh, especially after the season he's had. But, this uh, is Ohio State game kind of just dropped him a little bit. But, I mean, he only had six carries in that game. Yeah, so you really can't blame him there. Like, that's more offensive play calling. You know, you don't give you don't give your best player a chance to shine. And, obviously, you see how that, that game turned out. But Shocking enough, Bryce Young had 1% of the votes. I am tired of hearing people say that Bryce Young had his Heisman moment this past weekend. He did not have his Heisman moment. He was bad that entire so, game. If you'd like to go ahead and talk about the Iron Bowl, we could we could spend some time in the Iron Bowl. We could, but let's let's save that for the later. We this, gotta, we gotta yeah. just tease it a little bit, you know, keep All people right. interested. And up next, Bedlam. Oklahoma State finally takes down OU for Gundy's third win against Oklahoma since he's been a head coach at Oklahoma. And I think uh, I saw a stat where if you combine his record against OU as a player, as an assistant coach, and as a head coach, he's 5-24-1. and one. Against the Sooners, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> it's just not good. He's a great coach. He just can never beat Oklahoma. He's just never been good in the big games either. Is the the other thing. So I think this is the first, one of the first games that, especially now that a lot of their best players are gone. You, know, you when you think of Oklahoma State in recent years, you think of Chuba Hubbard. Um, couldn't get anything done when he was there, especially yeah. last year. Oh yeah. Um, they've had good players on that team as long as he's been there. Um, so I mean, this is really the first year they've kind of stayed true to who they are throughout the entire season and kind of made their way to where they're at now. Yeah, And watching that game, Oklahoma State didn't do anything uber impressive to win that game. Not at all. I mean, Spencer Sanders rushed for a lot of yards, but, I mean, he threw two interceptions. I It's more of a case of, look what OU did wrong, which I think that muffed punt uh, that Eric Gray had was probably a key point to Oklahoma State winning that game. I would say offensively, yeah, they didn't really do a whole lot wrong. Like Caleb Williams threw for three touchdowns and 250 yards. Uh, Kennedy Brooks rushed for 139. Like, not a lot Not a lot you can be mad about that. Yeah, it's just uh, Oklahoma State was just able to pick up on mistakes made by OU, whether it be they had a turnover on downs, a punt went awry with a muff punt that put yeah. Oklahoma State in first and goal territory. I'm saying it's, it's it's really not the case of Oklahoma having like a terrible game. Yeah, like they on defense they still got two picks. Like they it's just made more of just one they too made many one too many mistakes. Yeah, it's like they made the one crucial mistake in the game. Yeah, because it's what they uh, Oklahoma State won thirty-seven to thirty-two. I mean they outscored them the entire game. Yeah. Except and then the OU had a nine-point uh, lead going into the fourth quarter, and then Oklahoma State just took over for or. Yeah, I would say Oklahoma State held them scoreless in the fourth quarter. So it was like right right there is, is almost a ball game, especially with where they're at because it was, what, was it, what was it going into the, the fourth? Um, uh, it would have been 31-24. Yeah, 31-24, yeah. And, or not 31-24, 30. Because uh, it was 24. Was it? I think it was 24 because I can't do math. Let's be real here. <laughs> this is why I'm talking on a radio show is because I can't do math. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was a close ball game basically going into that fourth quarter, and yeah. they got outscored thirteen nothing in the fourth. So, and, well, I guess it'd be thirty two twenty four. I get thirty thirty. I don't know. I'm the game the game ended thirty seven thirty three. Yeah, I, I, basically, the short story here is me and Dylan can't do math. Just <laughs> let it slide. And uh, gonna move on to probably my favorite, besides the Iron Bowl, my favorite rivalry to watch, the Egg Bowl. I love the egg bowl. Egg I love so the fun. egg bowl. It's one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions. Like now that you know Auburn, Auburn got to play basketball on Thanksgiving. You know it's fun. I enjoy that, but I still look forward to the egg bowl. Yeah, you get to watch the Lions lose. You get to watch the Cowboys lose, and you flip over to watching the egg, egg bowl, bowl, where something wild is bound to happen. Actually, this game was less wild than what it has been over the past few years. Yeah, but it's still the Pretty egg tame. bowl. It's yeah. still the egg bowl. It was still high scoring. Mississippi State still had a chance to win the game at the end of it, so it's it's really all you can hope for out of the night bowl. They had a chance to take the lead going into halftime I know. when they had not one, not two, but three drop touchdowns in first in a it went inside the ten yard line. Yeah, where was that a few weeks ago? <laughs> That'd been really help about like what yeah. three weeks ago. <laughs> three weeks ago, we really enjoyed that one. <laughs> Because I think it was it was Woody Marks twice, and I believe it was their wide receiver Polk that dropped one. And I mean, they were it was easy. They were easy catches. I feel like I could have made those catches, and I'm not athletic whatsoever. I mean, I think they were just in the bread basket yeah. as well. I mean, can we just talk about how real Will, Will Rogers is just good at football? He's Simple so as that. That man, the second half of the season has been electric. Oh, he's been so good. I'm surprised he's not in the Heisman ballot. I, you know why he's not. I know why he's not, but I wouldn't be. I think he has a, he has a, argument, to be on at least on the a ballot to who should go to New York. Yeah, I mean they're they're seven and five at Mississippi State, so I mean, that's the big reason why. You know, if, yeah. if this is a ten and two team like Ole Miss, maybe he's in Matt Corral's location and Matt Corral is sitting on the other side. Like it's. It's kind of just how the cookie crumbles in some cases. And I, I know I said it on uh, on TNT, the emergency pod, where I said, well, Rodgers is the better quarterback. I Agreed. I'll stand by it. I still do. I think he's a better passer. And I think going into the NFL, I think he's probably better set for success, depending on what team he goes to. I, I don't. I'm not sold on Matt Corral as a quarterback. And I haven't been. Yeah. Um, And even – Coming into this year, even with all the hype that was kind of built around him, I've never been sold on Matt Corral. Um, just because, especially last year, he had a lot of problems in terms of the passing department. He's a good rushing quarterback, don't get me wrong. Like Great dual threat. Yeah, like he does well what he needs to do well. But when it comes to throwing the football, he that's his weak spot. I think he's only good at throwing the ball down the field, but whether it's accurate or not is up for debate. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's. I feel like you know, you're, you're a college quarterback. You've got to be good in in just some aspect of throwing the football. He seems um, a lot like a, a Johnny Manziel esque kind of player. I almost want to say he's like Nick Marshall. Nick Marshall. Like he's not as good of a runner as Nick Marshall. Yeah. Take a little bit of his run, like Nick Marshall's running talent away from him, and put it in the passing side, and I think you get Matt Corral. Um, I think that I think they're a very similar kind of style of quarterback where they're going to run first rather than throw it. Yeah. Um. And I, I think that's kind of, you know, we don't see Nick Marshall in the NFL anymore, and there's a reason why. <laughs> he is in the Canadian Football League where he is kind of nasty. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good cornerback. We had no idea how good of a cornerback he was. I wonder if we could have had him play both corner and quarterback. No. He, no. 
Because that man would have died by game three. Oh, yeah. Like, he could not have done that. We could put him in, like, on uh, dime packages just <laughs> whenever we needed a fourth throw, Yeah, throw him out there in, a, like, a zone coverage <laughs> in the middle of the field. And I'm not going to spend too much longer on this game, but UTSA North Texas, meet meep. Uh, sad. Sad, very sad. Civic sigh. North Texas takes down UTSA 45-23 to end all of our hopes for an undefeated UTSA. That's that's America's team this year. It is America's team. Early, early in the season, it was Arkansas. But now, by the second half of the season, it's been fully and totally UTSA. I would argue that it would be Coastal Carolina. I feel like they're always, they were America's team last year. They were America's team last year, for sure. But uh, going to go back to the going to go to the SEC again. Got LSU taking down at the time number fifteen A&M, twenty seven twenty four. Yeah, what happened on uh, that last drive? Please, please explain that to me. I could not tell you. Look at like A&M's defense just got was gassed because a defense that we know that is pretty dang good with A&M just giving up a I think like a twenty plus yard touchdown to end the game or not to end the game twenty seconds left in the game to go up twenty seven twenty four. Like what? What was happening there? I don't understand. Like the you, we've all seen how this defense has played throughout the entire season, and they've been good almost since probably week three. Honestly, yeah. before that, they were good. That when they they were sharp, their offense was struggling early in the year. Texas A&M's defense was really carrying them. Oh yeah, it single handedly won them the game against Colorado week two. I think it was. Yeah, that was that what ten to three game. Yeah. Oh god. Colorado should have won that game. I'm actually so sad about that. That was when I. That was one of the best games I've watched all season. Even though like AM was horrible, all of it. It was just oh, such yeah. a good back and forth game. I will say this does give Coach O his one last hurrah as the LSU head coach. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! As he gets to coach in whatever bowl game they go to, which right now with how many six and six teams and seven and five teams there are on the SEC, who is going where? Uh, there's no talent. I feel like I'm doing a bunch of coin flips. Because outside of uh, the Sugar Bowl and then the Peach Bowl. So the Peach Bowl goes to whatever the highest at-large Power 5 is and then another one. Um, and then the, obviously the Sugar Bowl is the highest SEC seed. Outside of that, it's a pool, like, draw, where each team basically gets to select which, like, bowl game they want to go to. So legitimately, nobody knows where anybody's going. <laughs> I've seen Auburn under, like, five different ones. That's what I'm saying. Like, you've got Auburn. There's someone for Auburn for the Birmingham Bowl. They've got them in the Music City Bowl. They've got them in the Liberty Bowl. Gator Bowl, Texas Cure Bowl. Bowl, Texas Bowl. Yeah, like, literally every single bowl, like, the SEC has a bid into. There's, like, there's someone that says, oh, they're going to that one. And it's funny because the SEC now has 13 out of the 14 teams going to bowl games. Ah, uh, poor Vandy. Poor, poor little Vandy. Luckily, they have baseball, but yeah. they're not really the best baseball team in the SEC anymore. They're they're still they're still I would say it's, they're it's still them in Mississippi State right now. Um, yeah, Ole Miss is getting there. Arkansas is getting there. Um, South Carolina's kind of gone down on a little little bit of a slide there, but it's still a good bit. There's great baseball across the SEC. Yeah, but we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the Iron Bowl and what a depressing game that was. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on 91.1 FM. Still joined by Mr. Jake Gonzalez, where we're going to talk about the Iron Bowl, a game that was more disappointing than a TNT in the morning show usually would be. Oof, that's a little harsh there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he can he can come at me on Twitter. It's, it's all right. We're we're good friends with the guys that run that TNT <laughs> in the morning show, so uh, no hard feelings there. Yeah, no hard feelings. It's all in good fun. Yeah, just get a good little joke. beef started. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but in a game that went to four overtimes, the first Iron Bowl to ever go into overtime went to four in a 24-22 loss for the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, um, a little disappointed in that second half. Really disappointed in that second half. If Auburn scores 13 points, we win the game. Honestly, Auburn doesn't need to score 13 points in that game. They simply just needed to not keep TJ Finley out there for that entire second yeah. half when he was very clearly on one ankle. Because if you, if he ever went under center, there was one play Auburn was running, and it was a toss sweep to whatever near side of the field they were on. And, you know, as me, someone who sits in the stands or watching on TV or whatever, I could be somebody up in that, uh, the coaching suites up there, you know what's happening. Because you know very well that TJ Finley was not going to run out there and play action and be mobile because he's not that mobile in the first place. So yeah, dude, He's scared to run the ball, it seems like. Or he's not scared to run the ball. He just doesn't know how to run the ball very well, I must say. He, he Actually, in that Georgia State game, he did a very good job of doing that. He's shown it, especially he did it against South Carolina too. Like He's shown it when he needs to do it. But he just sometimes refuses to do it almost. And I think it was – I don't know if it was this game or if it was South Carolina where he tried to break a sack – and it just did not work out. He just he tried to do one of the little like where you move your arm up and let the defender go under, but it was probably this this game. But he he broke it one sack in the South Carolina game. Like he should have been sacked, and then he ended up getting like fifteen yards on a rush. And I was, I was like, like, all right, kind of nice, bro. I think he's a good quarterback. I just think he misses on the X factor that Bo Nix has when it comes to scrambling the ball. It's like when when Bo is getting pressured, he can move out of the pocket and make some guys miss. I don't think TJ has that. He doesn't. Um, but, I mean, we, we all kind of knew that uh, as we were coming into the South Carolina game and this game that, you know, he wasn't nearly going to be – he wasn't going to be as mobile as uh, as Bo Nix was. Um, obviously, because Bo Nix is a little bit quicker, a little bit less weight on him. Um, he can move around a little bit faster. Um, so, I mean, that, that was kind of something we all knew coming into the game. Um, but you, you expect, especially at this stage of where we are at in the football world, every quarterback, even in the NFL, most quarterbacks in college, they can move to some extent and are willing to scramble and kind of be that extra guy on the field to get the yards when they need to. Yeah. It doesn't seem like TJ could be that guy. I, I he, He's not. I mean, but once again, like we said, we, we knew that coming into the game. But yeah. you expected to see it a little bit more than – I would say if what he does. if TJ gets taken out in the second half, who goes in? Would it be Grant or D. Davis? That that's a tough question, honestly. Um, you you would think I my guess would probably be Grant and Loy. Um, that's the safer choice of the two. Um, I would love to see D. Davis play. I've been very high on him since he's come to Auburn. Been high on him since Auburn was recruiting him. Oh yeah. Even under Gus Malzahn, like I wanted this guy at Auburn. Um, so it's like, part of me is like, yeah, D Davis, just throw him out there. Like, what do we have to lose? Like we're a six and five team, like just put it out there. Let them, let them, let them see what he can do. Let him shine a little bit. And if he doesn't work out very well, it doesn't hurt you. You're still in the same position that we're currently in right now. Yeah. Either way, you get six and six. Yeah. I would say, obviously this is a little bit of a Monday morning quarterback kind of situation. Um, but still like, I mean, especially once TJ got hurt. I, I feel like you had to have put somebody out there. I, I, I think that shows so little faith in what you have behind him, even in terms of Grant Loy, who's 
a fifth year or almost a sixth year. I believe so. He went to Bowling Green. Yes, he right? went to Bowling Green. He was start. He was a starter at Bowling Green, and he comes to Auburn as a walk on. Um, and he's been there for two years now or three years, as a I think it's two years. He's been there two years, yeah. Um, and he's been second or third string the entire time, and I. I mean, I feel like you got to be able to trust a guy like that who's had at least experience at the college football yeah, level. Yeah, and we've seen this before in the Mississippi State game when Bo was clearly hobbling around, and it took, what, like four or five drives for them to take It Bo took him until Bo physically could not walk anymore. Yeah, and before they put TJ in. So I guess there was very little faith in TJ at that point, and then behind TJ, you just big question marks because you don't know how good Grant Lowy is. He was never He's never put in a position where he had to throw the ball down the field. I mean, exactly. That's, that's the other thing, but – you, know, you these the coaches see these guys in practice every day like they know what they're doing like I feel like you got to have a little faith in them you know yeah but well, we talked about the offense a lot I think something we should be praising Auburn for is that defense please I honestly believe Derek Mason saved his job with this game yeah surprisingly enough we've not mentioned that Mike Bobo has been let go slash resigned slash fired we don't know no one knows exactly um Probably won't know until they have a press conference for one of the bowl games or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it'll be it'll be it's an interesting story and an interesting thing to, to kind of stay in check with. I know I said something earlier in the week when I said that Bobo was going to be more of a win not if, but Mason's more of an if not win. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I always saw Bobo almost as a one year rental or a two year yeah. rental as an offensive coordinator. Um, he's kind of settled for him. Yeah, like it. It's not like he's a not he's not a bad offensive coordinator. Oh, he's know. just he's been in the SEC for a long time, so it's a very easy way for Harson to kind of have someone to look to to know what to do when uh, when some with someone that's been in the SEC before because he doesn't have that SEC experience. Yeah, but looking at Mason, definitely I agree with that completely. He definitely saved his job this game. If yeah. Auburn gets blown out, he probably will not return. Yeah. But I don't know what changes he made to that defense to where it went from struggling against South Carolina, rushed four. Well, yeah. Did we rush three against South Carolina? I don't. Remember. Not exactly, but we they were still getting pressure. Oh, yeah. um, it was I, I, that South Carolina offense line might be a little bit better than Alabama's this year. To be real. And I feel like Auburn finished with seven sacks. Seven uh, sacks. Derek Hall finished with three of yeah. those. Great game for Derek Hall. Great and, game for that entire defensive oh, line. Oh yeah, and I I, um, I want to say I called it on uh, TNT show this Friday when I said Derek Hall's gonna have to have the game of his life, and he showed out with three sacks. I think that's a career high in a game. Should be for him, because I know that he's pro- he. I think he has more. Ta- he had more tackles in that game than Big Cat Bryant had in his entire career. At yeah, Auburn. yeah. And like this sophomore, senior, junior, and like senior season or whatever at Auburn, uh, like Derek Hall had more in that one game than he had combined in those three seasons. Got those shade his way. Yeah. Hopefully Auburn plays UCF in the bowl game. I think that'd be a fun story. I w- I would actually enjoy that a lot. I think that would be, be a really great. Fun. That would be a ton of good stories, uh, especially for us as r- some of us as writers here. Um, we would love that. Uh, gives us a lot of content to put out, and uh, you know, kind of give us give us the battle of uh, the former Auburn versus the, the the current Auburn coach. And as good as Auburn's de- Auburn's defense did play against Alabama, I must say Bryce Young did not look impressive whatsoever in that game. I mean, once again, you got to give credit to the Auburn defensive line for creating pressure and not giving him the time to throw in the pocket because yeah. you, you saw when he had time to throw in the pocket he was he's making those reads. He was making reads and he was making good plays and good decisions um so I mean it's a little bit in terms of that like that's why he didn't perform as well as you know we would come to expect him to play especially at this point in the season yeah um but I mean even still on the run he he shows what he can do like he shows why he's the starter at Alabama 
why he's been so highly touted coming into college and why he's been highly touted since he's been at Alabama. Like, his ability to move and throw the ball on the run is almost second to none. Yeah, and then uh, Roger McCreary probably had the game of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Up, up until, like, fourth overtime. But at that point, he's gassed. He was running. Well, I mean, yeah, he almost uh, – I think – I thought he almost pulled his hamstring the uh, in the, the, the last drive of the fourth quarter. I thought he almost did that. He pulled up a little bit and went off the sideline for a few plays and came back on. Uh, that probably could be the case. But, I mean, he, but play, I mean playing he, man all game is tough on a defensive back. That's the other reason why Auburn's uh, defense was so well in, or played so well in this game. They played man coverage. That's why we lost the game because we play, we're playing man coverage. But that's besides the point here. <laughs> it, like you, you give four quarters of solid, very, very, very solid play on the defensive end because you're playing man coverage with two deep over the top, um, and you know that's what this Auburn team was before this, like last season and the season before that, that's what made it so well. That's what all these corners are built to play. They're all man press coverage corners. So it's that's kind of why we've seen the team kind of struggle, especially in zone at times this season, because that's not their identity. That's not what they're made to do. Um, that's man is what their specialty is. And of uh, of course, it's also a testament to Bama and how good they are, like, passing the depth chart, because I think Jamison Williams was taking, taking out of the game, uh, I think, the fir- first quarter yeah, with targeting. Quarter. So he'll miss the f- – he'll, 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 he'll be able to play in this. He'll be able to play the whole game. Yeah. Uh, testament to Bama how good their depth is, because the backup wide receiver for Jamison Williams was the one that caught that game-tying touchdown instead of OT. I mean, that's not – that's never been a secret, like oh, – yeah. Especially at the wide receiver group at Alabama, we've known for years that they've just had depth, like pure depth. Like they've had how many guys draft from the first round the past two years at wide receiver? Like there's no telling. Five or four, f- five, four, four or five. five. Yeah, because Rugs, Coop. Uh, it's Rugs, Waddle, Judy, um, Smith, and then there's one more I want to say. I almost said Amari Cooper, but I think he's yeah he's I, he was way before them. But I'm talking yeah. about like in in the past two years. Yeah. Um, because I know it was it was Ruggs and Judy, um, in 2020 or 2019 draft 2020 draft it was, uh, Waddle Smith and I want to say I really want to say there's one more. I'm just there probably is. I'm but... forgetting his name. But like again, like you have those kinds of wide receivers, and you lose two first round guys, you're able to replace it with three first round guys, like. And Jamison Williams is actually a transfer from Ohio State. Exactly. Like, and Ohio State has an insane wide receiver. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's – it doesn't matter where you, like, look on this team. A lot of the a lot of the depth – like, this team has a lot of depth just all over the field. So Before we take a quick break, I'm going to ask you one question. What does Auburn need to do to improve this offseason? Recruit. Recruit. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the easy answer, um, but – it's kind of a cheap way to go out, but it's it's true because we're what twelfth in the SEC right now. Twelfth in the SEC, and as if you add o- OU and and uh, Texas into the mix, you get fourteenth, right? Yeah, like it's really got to set that up, and we're losing. We've, I mean, I think the biggest loss we've had out of the four or five transfers that we had was Sladarius Tennyson from last night or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say key the key thing is we need to hire an offensive coordinator ASAP. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite in mind? No clue. <laughs> I'm hoping no clue. for Kellen Moore. That's a bit of a stretch, but all right. <laughs> He's not getting paid a lot at, at 
the Cowboys. I think he's got 70, 70K a year. I still, you're still running an offense in the NFL, and it's been one of the best in the NFL this season. Yeah. So. Yeah, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the craziness of the coaching carousel that happened over the past four days. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the back half of Tank Talks Football. Here on Wiggle 91.1 FM. We are now joined by host of TNT in the morning, Mr. Harrison Tarr. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, it's crazy. I think you don't have my mic on. Do you have my mic on? I don't have it turned up. Two. There we go. Now there I'm go. on. It's good to be here. <laughs> um, I had to jump in because I was listening when I got my car to drive to class. I was going to get a little snack, and then I heard TNT in the morning get attacked. Um, Not so attacked. I, Come on. I, y'all, y'all claim that you guys were better hosts than the hosts, so there's that. I mean, is it is it wrong? No. I'm not saying it's right. but <laughs> <laughs> No, you guys are doing a great job. It's been a really enjoyable show. I literally have only missed like two minutes of it just because I was talking to our editor who said, our editor producer who said, UNF 22, so let's move on. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about the, uh, the craziness that's happened over the past uh, four days, four or five days. I've been in a coma. What happened? Uh, this coaching carousel is going on. We've had some big-time hires. Start off with the the one that was everyone pretty much expected was going to be Billy Napier to go to Florida, uh, which was dumb. Was it dumb? It was dumb of LSU to let Napier leave their backyard. I think maybe they redeemed themselves with who they got. We'll get there. I, I just I just if I'm LSU, I think that I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Listen, Napier to Florida. Florida, great hire. Yeah, good a good hire for Florida. Great hire. I mean, it it might be as well as they could have done with what they had. You think so? I think so. Okay. Uh, Napier had a 39-12 record in four years at the Raging Cajuns, and I think we all expected him at some point to leave for a Power 5 job because he always – Oh, we knew, we knew he would, yeah. His name I, always gets thrown around. I thought it would have been <laughs> last year. Surprised it wasn't last year. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, I thought the LSU job was perfect for Napier. Oh, um, he knows how so. to recruit. Them. I did, too. I, that's why I was a little surprised that Florida wound up snatching him from LSU. Yeah, like, I mean, I wholeheartedly thought, like, it was going to be Napier and that's it. Um, for uh, for LSU, but uh, obviously Florida snagged them up, and I think that's a great hire for them. It's a ball. It's a grand slam of a hire. Ah, yeah, yeah, grand slam. There you go. I'm gonna keep talking about some of the lesser lesser crazy hires. Rhett Lashley goes from OC at Miami to getting his first head coaching job at SMU. I don't know that that's a lesser hire. SMU has been a pretty front pretty, center lesser, stage program. Lesser, did I say lesser hire? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. mean that. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's it's not, high not as high profile, yeah. But, but I, yeah. I think that's a great hire for SMU. I think it's a good I, move I, for Rhett. I really do, too. I um, love that hire at SMU. Oh, I say lesser hire. I mean, like, not as crazy. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, thought, I, I assume low profile, which I also is kind of correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a, great, that's a great job to jump from an OC to, if you're not going to be in a Power 5, being in an American like an SMU. Oh, yeah. That's a great place to move. Uh, going from a, a, a disappointing Miami team to a SMU team that was pretty dang good, 9-3 and three this past year. Uh, I think it's a great first job for him. It's, we get to see a Malzahn disciple finally get a head coaching gig. <laughs> I, I think that's a good hire. One, because, you know, he's he coached at – he was an OC at SMU for a few years, so some of the players that are on that roster are players that he recruited, so he's familiar with a lot of them. Familiar with the territory. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he's got a lot of experience, especially recruiting there. Texas is a big football state. Um, a lot of, lot of talent. You wouldn't know it by UT. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't know it, but it is. <laughs> and we also had V-Tech get their coach, hired D- the Penn State defense coordinator, Brent Pry. I think this is also his first head That was weird. Game. That was a yeah. weird hire. That was a weird ex- hire. I did not expect that. I, was, I, I thought Bill O'Brien was I was. Yeah, we heard like reports for Bill O'Brien. I heard Hugh Freeze. No. 
I, I heard that they're, they, I know for a fact that they met. Did they? Yes, that's like all over every rivals board ever. I wonder why that, they that, went for that. that. He went to Blacks. He went to Blacksburg. He may have gone, went and knocked on their door, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'm. They got out of Liberty. <laughs> another day, another another year, another coaching carousel without Hugh Freeze landing a Power Five job. And lastly, before we get into the craziness, uh, Kalen DeBower, DeBower, however you pronounce it, Fresno State's coach, goes to the Huskies in Washington. That'll work. I think it's a good. It's a good hire. I think. Yeah, for sure. Fresno State has. Been pretty dang good this year and last year. Uh, he has twelve and six record in two years, so I'm, I'm kind of shocked they didn't try to get a bigger hire than this. But I think it's a good, I think it's a good hire. For sure, he knows how to recruit the West Coast. Uh, he's a proven winner at Fresno. I mean, it's kind of the same argument as the Harsing argument, right? Like yeah. if you can win where you're at, there's no reason to think that if you put your model at a bigger recruiting place that you can't be successful. So uh, I think it's, it's a good hire for you, Dub. I mean, like. It clearly is. I mean, you know, it, I think that's the the argument that a lot of Power Five schools are trying to kind of, or the, at least the side of the argument they're trying to take is that these guys have been able to recruit at three or four star level players and be able to develop them into high caliber players for long periods of time, and they've been able to sustain that success. And I think they're starting to kind of dip into that lower level of the, the group of five schools and pull some of those guys out and see if they can take their recruiting model and build it onto a power five school, especially ones that are not obviously high profile jobs like USC or I guess Oklahoma now. Um, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's a very proven method and I think they're trying to start to, to use that at the top level. Yeah, I agree. And let's get into the wild ones. Lincoln Riley. <laughs> A day after saying that he will not be the LSU head coach, he takes the job. Didn't lie. Did not <laughs> lie. Takes the job at Southern California. Uh, Fifty-five and ten record in five years at OU, and the benefits this man received to go coach for the Trojans is absurd. Uh, yeah, bro, I'm trying to get a job, but they let me use my private jet, the private jet for my family, twenty-four-seven, yeah. and buy buy both of my houses for half a million lived, over, and then me. buy me a six million dollar house in where I will now be staying. And the $110 million as well. <laughs> That's besides the point here. That's a given already. Yeah, I know a lot of Oklahoma uh, players and fans are mad at Lincoln Riley right now. Um, and I know there's a whole loyalty and, you know, they, we've been good to you. Why would you not be good to us? Folks, at the end of the day... Money speaks a lot. <laughs> and, and that's a lot of money. And going to USC, oh, yeah. can you imagine? This is just his base salary. There's going to be endorsements. You're playing in, I mean... Come on, they're playing in Hollywood. <laughs> there, there's just people that have more money than they know what to do with out there. I'm not saying that you know they're not better jobs in the country. I think USC is a great job, but I do think there's better ones. I think actually, I still think Notre Dame's a better job, in my opinion. Um, Ohio State, you know, Alabama, but still, when you get that kind of offer, it is hard. Especially people forget. Put it in your own shoes. You're taking <laughs> I need, Dylan's handing me a water right now because <laughs> I have no voice from yesterday. I'm not sick. I went to a women's basketball game yesterday and it was electric. Um, people forget that you're doing this for your family too, you know? And it's uh, it's important to make sure you take care of your family. Yeah. And also with uh, another job, a job that got uh, filled up was the LSU job as they get Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. From Notre was, Dame, like I just mentioned, yeah. Who has been in Notre Dame for 12 years. Uh, 113 and 40 is his is his record there and with both these jobs uh bark brought this up uh, a good friend of mine from the bench warmers podcast that right. i also run uh he read somewhere that 
both Riley and Kelly met their respective ceilings at these two universities. So their only thing was to leave. I mean, Oklahoma was never going to get past the semifinals and same thing with Notre Dame. I don't know that I don't know that Oklahoma will never get past the semifinals. And I'm not saying that it's not because Lincoln Riley um would be capable of pushing them to the next level. I'm saying this because you never know how how things shape up and how things change when they move to the SEC. There's a whole another world of it's going to take someone that's tough as nails. And you know Lincoln Riley's taking a lot of flack for leaving because they're moving to the SEC. Um, and then everyone's praising the ground that Ryan Kelly wa- walks on right now because he accepted the challenge of the SEC after not being in a conference for a while. Uh, I do agree to Notre Dame's read. There, there's some backing behind that Brian Kelly argument, though. I mean, he's going from being independent. That people gave him crap for for years. Yeah, to going to the hardest conference in college, in college football. football. Yeah, and I, I understand. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not disagreeing. But ultimately, um, I think that I think Lincoln Riley did what he could do at Oklahoma. I think Brian Kelly did probably the best anybody's going to do at Notre Dame until Notre Dame just accepts the fact that they need to join a conference. Which again, money talks. That goes back to the TV contract. I get it, but it's very difficult for me to comprehend um, anyone that's giving too much criticism. Brian Kelly, you can criti- criticize a lot of things about Brian Kelly. You can, yeah. Um, and I'm not. I'm actually. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not someone that's going to defend Brian Kelly, his personal life. Um, that's that's up for debate. I'm not getting into that. You know what I mean? But him accepting the challenge in the SEC. And moving from Notre Dame is not him bowing out and giving up on Notre Dame. It's, it's him saying, listen, I've done what I can do here. It's clear that we're not going to move to a conference. It's clear that we're not going to be able to compete for a conference championship again. <laughs> and I need, if I'm going to win a national championship, I'm going to need more resources. And I'm going to need a team that's going to be, well, for lack of a better term, prepared when they get to the conference, conference for the, the college football playoffs. Yeah. And I think both coaches kind of, I, I like... It took only like I think a day for uh, this because I think Lincoln Riley said that the conversation with USC started on Sunday morning. Yeah, it only took them a day to get all that settled. Well, that means that Lincoln Riley wanted the job. Yeah, he I, or he wanted out of the. SEC. I don't know that I. He was never for the SEC thing. That's and that's great and that's good. I understand that, but I don't know that he jumped ship on Oklahoma, which is what we're going to call it, right? Jumping ship. I yeah. definitely jump ship. Uh, jumping ship on Oklahoma because of um, the move to the SEC as much as it, it was going to take a good job to pull him away. And USC yeah. is is that job. I mean, yeah, we've, the we've seen that happen before, you know, like with Lane Kiffin leaving from Tennessee to go to, to USC. Like it's not an uncommon thing almost. Um, but at this point in time, USC almost is – a lesser of a program than Oklahoma. Where it is for, for right now. We're like right now. Um, we're talking about but it. let's historically USC is obviously a, a fantastic program. Can you guys? Is it just me? Or I'm excited for USC to be good again. Actually, I really am. Too. I, I, I think it's going to be so program. much fun. That's I'm cool. bored of Oregon. And I'm and then we get to see Snoop Dogg again. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not even just saying that. Like it's a fun program. They're they're flashy. You hate them off the field. You you're supposed to because they have egos and they're in Hollywood and it's football and Hollywood. It's fun. It's a great time. Like all these old heads that are anti-USC. One, give Reggie Bush's Heisman back. Please. And two, let's rock and roll. Let's have a good time. Let's be rock stars on the field. It makes it more fun. I, I think the best part about this is I think we all kind of feel that way because we kind of grew up when USC was USC. Really with, good. With Pete Carroll and 
Matt Liner, same reason, Reggie Bush, and same reason we'd be down if my the U got good again. Exactly, like it's it's the nostalgia almost and of Texas. these teams being like fantastic. I'm all right with Texas. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 a, a, I'm okay. I'm a horns. <laughs> I'm a big horns down okay, kind of guy. Tennessee, Tennessee being good yeah, again. Tennessee, I'd Tennessee, love that'd Tennessee. be fun. I love Tennessee. We're gonna have two UTs in the SEC. Which one gets the title? Tennessee. Tennessee. You're gonna give it to Tennessee. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna start calling Texas UTA. Yeah, they deserve it. <laughs> they really deserve that one. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's gonna be really funny doing horns down and. In these games, I might. That's I'm so looking forward to that. That's my favorite thing. Like, <laughs> Dylan's I throwing do, up right now. I we're do, all throwing them up. <laughs> I do horns down all the time, just for the sake of doing horns down, because it's just like I have fantastic. a hat coming in. Yes, <laughs> <I> <laughs> the barstool hat coming in soon. Yes, I might have to give me one of them hats, bro. I got things twenty four dollars. That's how much mine was. But I and they've got to... the promo code right now for uh, holiday special uh, holiday sales. Another oh, like yeah. 10% off on that. Oh, yeah. I may, I may or may not be heading to Barstool Sports right <laughs> now. <laughs> it's not going to be a call to action or anything. Mm-hmm. but if, if you feel so inclined. If, if you got the – if everyone got this hat to celebrate you or Texas joining the SEC, it'd be it'd be funny. It'd be funny. <laughs> it would be a great bit to say. Do we least. make our announcement on January 1st all wearing horns down hats? Yes. I'm uh, all yes. for that. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not down. <laughs> But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the transfer portal, and then we're going to make our conference championship predictions. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the last, I guess, uh, like eight-ish minutes of Tank Talks football here on We Go 91.1 FM. We're going to talk about the transfer portal a little bit. It's been going a little haywire as of late with uh, Mr. Spencer Rattler finally announcing he will be in the transfer portal, which we all pretty much saw coming. Auburn's been hit pretty hard by the transfer portal train. Oh, yeah. It's not been too bad, but it's not been ideal. It's been quick. <laughs> it's been fast. Yeah. It's been a fast strike. Uh, yeah. Sean Shivers, uh, Elijah Canyon, um, Edge Rush, who am I forgetting? Caleb Johnson. Caleb Johnson. Uh, Tayshawn Manning Tayshawn. and Ladarius Tennyson from last night. So. so Five players in total for Auburn. I guess out of those five, the best of those is Sean Shivers. It's uh, Shivers and or Tennyson. Tennyson, yeah. Tennyson, Auburn's going to miss Tennyson. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's the one I think is going to hurt the most. Um, but Shivers, you know, considering if it was not a COVID, they didn't have an extra COVID year, Shivers was gone at the end of this season yeah, anyway. That's, so we, we were not, talking about that yesterday. So it's, yeah. not, it's not that big of a loss. Even if he um, wasn't leaving after that, I still think it's a good move for him to leave. Because I agree. With Damari Alston coming in, he's going to be moved down to fourth in the depth chart. He, he deserves to be on a roster where he can yeah. play because he's – He's a good running back. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. People hate good on him. A lot. Back. Yeah, people hate on him a lot. I really don't know why. Um, I I've been a big fan of Sean Cyrus since day one, almost. Um, big worm guy. Really am. Worm. <laughs> you know, he may be five eight or I think I think what's funny was when he first signed with Auburn, he was five five. Um, and it was, it it was it was a it's it's funny to see a guy that's that small but got like that much power behind him, kind of. Run right on the football field. You need someone who can make a tar feel tall. <laughs> Legit. We act like we're not all the same height at this table. I mean, me and Jake are like what five ten, five ten respectively. I'm like six foot. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you always have me curse on public radio. Tar's like I think it was around five six. <laughs> yeah, we, no, we, back, we can we can bump that number. Back down, before maybe, I was like twenty one, I had a form of identification that said I was five foot six, and my name was spelled incorrectly because my roommate thought that'd be really funny. 
It's yeah, kind it's, of funny. I can't lie. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Got to feel shameful for the guy who comes in for the show after after Tara leaves because they had to t- make the suit go all the way down so Tara <laughs> can reach the reach the keyboard up here. Dude, I put the seat down so I can put my. Nah, never mind. I'm not going. There. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Back uh, to football. Back to Another another team that's been hit hard by the transfer portal and among other things is Oklahoma. Oh gosh, so, <laughs> they're losing everything. <laughs> Rattler left, of course, but he was not going to be that big of a loss because Caleb Williams is still there. Shockingly, they're all headed to USC. Yeah. But Jaden Hazelwood, former five, four-star wide receiver, who is pretty dang good from the highlights I've been watching of him, I think he's going to be going to USC at some point as well. I feel like a lot of the OU players definitely – Hazelwood just entered the transfer portal, no? Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, I thought did. that he'd already been offered – or he was about to get offered by Auburn as well. I think he was. I think I, he this, was The team that was second in his recruiting thing was Georgia. Georgia. So, yeah. But Malachi, <laughs> Malachi, yeah, that's what they need is more talent at UGA. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> is it Malachi Nelson, uh, quarterback? That yes. Just decommitted from from o- OU, and then the same day flipped to USC. So he was committed to Lincoln Riley. He wasn't committed yeah. to Oklahoma. Which, by the way, I've got no problem with. That's fine. It's, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Um, but I mean, I I think it's astounding how many players at Oklahoma were committed to playing for Lincoln Riley rather than. He goes to show how good of a recruiter Lincoln yeah. Riley is. Yeah, it really does. You have the whole thing with Bobo happening, and you get like Demetrius Davis going. I committed to Auburn, not, not a coach. Yeah. So that I respect that a little bit more than I do. I, I respect him equally. Yeah, I, I do too. And like, like your, every recruit I, makes their decision differently. I, yeah. I give a little bit of leeway to committing to a school. Haven't you ever played NCAA? They they care about TV exposure for conference prestige. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with coach loyalty. No, I'm kidding. but seriously, uh, well, everyone well, has a different set of values. Oh, use A plus on everything except for coach loyalty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I I mean every every recruit and every person has a different set of values and but recruits in terms of making their decision everything matters to them differently everybody has a different outlook on things so I've got no problem with recruits committing to play for a coach um, or and I've got no problem with them committing to play for a university I've never been one of the people that's been like oh you committed to Auburn so you committed to play for Auburn you know what no they committed to better their football career because they thought that this was a place where they're best set up for success if this is not where you're best set up for success anymore don't go here yeah I I, I think that's um. For a lot of people that are against the whole transfer portal thing, that's their biggest thing is they think they commit. A lot of recruits commit to the university because they want to go to the university. Which isn't always the case. It's not always the case. A lot like the point of almost college football, like D1 football at this point, is is to better themselves so they can have a chance to reach the NFL. Um, That's what I know most of these guys are – that's their dream is to make it to the NFL. Like this this is just a stepping stone along the way to get to there. Um, so I mean, it's it's more about being able to get to to a place where you can show your talents and get you to that next level, um, instead of a lot of these guys making, you know, for the classroom or whatever. I mean, Cardell Jones, you know, I didn't commit to this unit. I didn't come to school to to play school. To play school, I came to play football. Like it's it's that kind of thing, you know. And we talk about how Auburn's getting hit by the transfer portal right now. There are two rumored transfers that are we don't know if they're happen or not with Bo Nix and I've heard Tane Bigsby thrown around as well I I, I don't know how to feel about either we'll one. see about it um it, it, here's the reality I'm, I'm gonna want to sound redundant but if it's if it's in the best interest of those guys for them to go somewhere else then by all means let's be real right now Auburn's not in the spot that we really thought it might be uh, at this point a year into the Harson uh, era I'm not saying that's not headed in the right direction but we're not exactly where we thought Auburn might be especially after the team started six and two you know? Yeah, like you thought we'd be at the minimum eight and four. Right. No, exactly. Um, um, with with the, with you know probably Mike Bubba saying for at least another year. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if that team finishes eight and four, he's still here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that's the kind of thing you got to think about. It's not exactly where this team's heading. Um, this team's technically in a downward trend at the moment, but I mean, and that could flip with a couple of recruitment exactly. with commitments. It, but still, right now, the way it's trending, Auburn's set up. I'm, let's be real, right now, if I'm looking into the crystal ball for next year, I'm probably projecting seven and five, six and six again. Yeah. I don't see a, a drastic improvement. The four game losing streak may or may not have anything to do with the fact that. At Braves fans roll tumors after winning the World Series. We're not going to that. That's it also could have had something to do with the fact that Bo Nix was injured. Yeah, maybe. Eh. <laughs> and we're not. We're not. Gonna, we're not going to throw this on the whole Braves thing. I think that we've. I mean, we've I all seen. A, it. I think it's a funny rumor. Yeah, we've all seen that on Twitter. We've all seen that. Like, we've also beat that horse to death. Yeah, like it's. Let's be realistic here. It's not. It's that's not the reason. Yeah, but I think. I think Bo Nix is probably likely to transfer. I know he was groomed to be an Auburn quarterback. Ever since he was born. He was not groomed to be ready for the amount of flack he was going to catch when he was not yeah. living up to his expectations. And a lot of that's kind of on people in the media realm for almost calling him the second coming of Christ and he was going to be a Heisman quarterback his first season at Auburn and all this and all that. And, you know, obviously. Yeah, I, honestly, we should all just lose our jobs. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> fair. One, yeah. one, one journalist in particular. Not the name. Not names. going there. We're not going to name that yet. Not naming any names. Uh, but <laughs> with the last five minutes, we're going to go into our predictions for conference championship week plus USC Cal for some reason. Uh, but Friday, we got Western Kentucky. I, did you say something? <laughs> I whispered something quite. It's an Easter egg for any of your listeners that go back and listen. <laughs> uh, but we got, oh, I know what you said now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, now I know what you said. So conference USA championship, Western Kentucky playing UTSA. Western Kentucky is a two and a half point favorite. Oh man! But <laughs> meet me, meet meet me, me. I guess we're all going UTSA. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I mean, they're America's team. Exactly. Like, like yeah. Jake said earlier in the show. <laughs> uh, we got the Pac-12 championship rematch. O- number ten Oregon versus number seventeen Utah. Utah's a two and a half point favorite. I've been riding high on the Utes all year. I'll stay on that train. I'm uh I w- I want to say Utah, but my heart is pulling me towards Oregon. I think they're going to bounce back from a pretty bad performance the last time they played, and they'll be ready coming this game. It's really hard to beat a team twice in the same year. Same. Um, it's very difficult. So that's the only reason I'm going with Oregon. It's just it's statistically nearly impossible. I guess you have a fifty-fifty shot every game. But yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> uh, then we got Big Twelve Championship, eleven a.m. kickoff on Saturday. You got number nine Baylor versus number five Oklahoma State. Okay, State's a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and to win, if they win this game, they're probably in the CFP for the Cowboys. So, riding with Gundy. I'm a man. I'm 40. Give me the Cowboys. I got to go with them Baylor Bears. Sick them. <laughs> I, hate, I hate it, but look, all I got to say is Baylor haven't given, has not given up a sack. Like the offensive line has not given up a sack all year. <laughs> so. And we're going to go on to some action. Have they given up a mullet? <laughs> got some action going on. Got Kent State and Northern Illinois. Kent State's a three-point favorite, and I'll be going with Kent State. I think their offense is pretty dang good. NIU's rolling high. I actually watch a lot of action. Um, NIU is one of those teams that could sneaky actually be much better. What are they? Seven and five, eight and four. Oh, they're eight and four. Eight and four. They could like sneakily be like nine and three, ten and two. I'm gonna take NIU. I'm also gonna go with NIU. I've seen a couple of their games this year, and they, and they upside Georgia Tech. Yeah, year. they can. Oh, do they? They can be pretty solid of a program. All right, you got Mountain West, Utah State. Playing number 19, San Diego State. Uh, San Diego is a five and a half point favorite, but give me the Aztecs. 
I'm uh, I'm pulling with Kawhi Leonard's alma mater of San Diego State. Who's the quarterback of San Diego State? Uh, quarterback of San Diego State is... That's not Starkle, is it? No, Nick Starkle's for Fresno. Fresno. Uh, I'm taking San Diego State regardless. Oh, yeah. I'm just curious. It's L. Johnson. Okay. Lucas Johnson. Senior. Lucas Johnson. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still... I'm, I'm going to go San Diego State because they're a very good football team this year. Yeah. All right, you got Sunbelt. App State. Sunbelt. Playing... The Raging Cajuns. Man, this game's awesome, actually. App is a three-point three favorite. Give me the Raging Cajuns, boys. Taking the Cajuns. Give me Chase Bryce. Grayson High School legend. Form, ran, built Ram tough. App State beats uh, Louisiana Lafayette by uh, 14. We're going to take the SEC championship for last. Got the American Athletic Conference, number 21, Houston Cougs. Play the number four Cincinnati Bearcats. Since he's a 10.5-point favorite. And everyone who knows me knows who I'm picking for this game. Bearcats by 90. <laughs> cats by 90. Not by actually, but I'm taking the Cats. Oh, they're actually by 90. Who are they playing again? Houston? Houston. Houston. You know, I, I, we can't all three go for Cincinnati, so I'm, uh, I'm going to go you. with Houston for the upset pick. There Thank we go. you. All right, Big Ten Championship, number two, Michigan, playing number 13, Iowa. Michigan's also a 10.5-point favorite, and I don't like Iowa in this game at all, given the Wolverines. Go Blue. I'm going to take Iowa. I like the underdog pick here. I think Iowa's a solid program. Um, I like what they've done a lot this year for the most part. Past couple – the second half of the season haven't been as well or good. Um, and you want to make like sure that. that we don't jinx it. And exactly. So every, there's exactly. every door is closed on the University of Alabama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really what's boiling it down yeah. to. All right. got the ACC championship, number 15, Pitt. Number 16, Wake. Pitt's a three-point favorite. And I said it earlier in the year, Pitt's just a more talented Wake Forest. I think that shows this week. Give me Pitt. Yeah, I got Panthers. that as well. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny for Heisman. Yep. All right, and then a non-conference championship game. Even though this game doesn't matter, both teams are four and seven. USC travels to play Cal Berkeley. Cal's a four-point favorite. Give me the Golden Bears. That USC. Huh? This USC. I have no idea. I don't know what you're doing. Hey, you said wait. You said this is a Pac-12, no? Wait. Yeah. This, this is like this a postseason. Not, not a conference championship just, game. Why is this being played? It got I don't know. canceled due to COVID. And they're like, oh, yeah, Fight on, whatever. Why not? <laughs> yeah, give me the Trojans too. Why not? All right, to wrap it up, SEC, SEC championship. Number one, Georgia travels all the way to Atlanta to play number three, Alabama. Georgia's a six and a half point favorite. Hopefully, this is a fun game to watch, but it could be a blowout. We don't know. But give me the Bulldogs by, I think, maybe seven to ten. If I'm a betting man, I'm picking Georgia to cover this game easily. Um, so, yeah, give me Georgia. If I'm a betting man, I'm betting that UGA is going to be really, really ill with uh, Kirby Smart when they lose to the Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday. Roll Tide. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, this has been all from us. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Tar, for joining us. Yes, sir. Me. Yes, sir. All right. And I'll see all you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.